Welcome. You are listening to the Women's Film Institute podcast. The Institute is dedicated to advancing equity for women and girls while working toward bringing greater diversity to the film and entertainment industry. Each episode brings you the brightest writers, directors, and content creators. On this edition, your host, Scarlett Shepard, talks with author and journalist Alelia Bundles about her book, On Her Own Ground. The book is set to become a TV series about entrepreneur and social activist Madam C.J. Walker, starring Oscar-winning actress Octavia Spencer. Thank you so much for being on the show. I am actually so excited about this TV series, but let's rewind a little bit. You're a biographer, you're a journalist, you're a historian. You wrote this critically acclaimed bestseller, On Her Ground, The Life and Times of Madam C.J. Walker. This is an extraordinary story, and I really feel like this should be in all of our history books. Tell us a little bit about her story, why you wrote the book. So Madam C.J. Walker, my great-great-grandmother, was born in Delta, Louisiana, a little town in northern Louisiana, in 1867, two years after the end of the Civil War. And of course, as a, an African-American woman, um, she was like most African-Americans with a uh, legacy of slavery. Her parents had been enslaved before the Civil War. Her older siblings had also been enslaved. She was the first person born free in her family. And so from this little cotton plantation where they worked as sharecroppers in the, through the 1850s to the 1870s, and when she was born in 1867, uh, after having been born into those really difficult circumstances, she was a millionaire by the time she died in 1919. And for me, it's amazing, of course, that this woman who had been born on a plantation who had very little education was a washerwoman, a single, a, a widow, a single mother who was able to transform herself into somebody who not only became a millionaire, but who provided jobs for thousands of African-American women, who was a patron of the arts, a philanthropist, and even a political activist who supported the NAACP's anti-lynching movement. So it would be like uh, Black Lives Matter in the early 20th century. I mean, just an amazing legacy. And what I really like most about her story is that she took a personal um, problem because she was losing her hair and she Absolutely. turned it into something that uh, is a business, but also empowered other women to earn a living when, at a time when that was really hard. Definitely. And, you know, and I just have to say, Scarlett, that your own story is one of those where you saw a need, you jumped right in uh, and you realized that you had a vision of something beyond just let's get this festival done. Let's just do this one thing. And you could see that there was something bigger. And I think Madam C.J. Walker was very much the same way. It was in that same very entrepreneurial spirit and also of empowering other women. Yes, her hair was falling out. She was going bald at a time when most Americans didn't have indoor plumbing. Hygiene was very, very different. And we don't really want to think about that because it's pretty <laughs> gross. But, you know, it just meant that she, there was a real need. This was in an era before penicillin, before aspirin. Um, and she developed a line of hair care products specifically for black women. 
that it really included washing your hair more often and an ointment that contains sulfur that is the same kind of thing that's in dandruff shampoos now. She wanted to solve her own problem of going bald and this shampoo and this ointment with sulfur healed her scalp infections, allowed her hair to grow back. And when other women saw that her hair was growing, they wanted to know what she was doing because they were experiencing the same problem. Yeah, and what I love too about her story is that she turned it into a training center and where she would train other women about the products and that they could be their own self-made business. Yeah, and you think it's it's a time. Women didn't have the right to vote. Most women didn't work outside the home. Um, people thought it was that women shouldn't work outside the home. And yet there were many women who needed the income. There were women who were widows. Uh, there were women whose husbands were kind of ne'er-do-wells who, who couldn't work. But it's also very true that at the time... Uh, African American, there weren't lots of opportunities available for African American men. Opportunities were opening up in in factories, but black men were really relegated to the very menial task. Black women needed to, in many instances, uh, needed to add income to their families, especially if they were in cities and the farms. Everybody could work, even though that wasn't the, the optimal working circumstances. But in the cities, um, women could add a little bit of income. And she saw that the work that she had done, um, how difficult it had been for her, and she wanted to provide opportunities for other women. So there, there just weren't opportunities open. You could, as a black woman, you could be a farmer, a sharecropper, who could never make a profit, a maid, a laundress, a cook. That was really all that was open. A few people became school teachers. But after a point, even the many school teachers became walker agents and she trained them because they were natural teachers. They were trained as teachers, uh, but they also could make more money as walker agents being their own uh, self-starting entrepreneurs. I just I find it really just fascinating. And I love the way that the message is always woven into what she was doing is giving back. Uh, it was not just a, a hair care product, but it was you know, something to give back to your community. It was very needed. And I wanted to read a quote from her that I just love. She says, I am a woman who came from the cotton fields of the South, from where I was prompted to the wash tub. From there, I was promoted to cook kitchen. And from there, I promoted myself into the business of manufacturing hair goods and preparations. And what I love about that is that she said, I promoted myself. And can you, can you speak to her strength, her, her tenacity? That's one of my favorite quotes. And, you know, it's something that I discovered relatively early on in my research. That was at the the National Negro Business League convention in 1912. And she had arrived there wanting to share her story. And, you know, just as we see now, the men were not always excited about having a woman come forward. And she was uh, really determined that her, she knew her story was important. And she was determined to share that, that story. And though Booker T. Washington, who was the founder of uh, the National Negro Business League had, had decided he wasn't going to give her an opportunity to speak. And she seized the opportunity to speak and just really stood up at the end of the convention and, and said, surely you're not going to 
um, deny me the chance to speak and then said those words, I'm a woman who came from the cotton field of the South. And so she really had lived that life of overcoming obstacles. She was not to be denied. And she had had so many difficult moments in her early life, being orphaned at an early age, being widowed when she was just 20, going through a second marriage that was very abusive. And so she understood what other women needed. And in some ways, the hair care products actually did grow hair. I mean, we say we know grow hair is it's not Rogaine, but it was really just about hygiene and healthy scalps and creating an environment on the scalp that allowed the hair to grow. So it really did, the product really did work. But in some ways, the selling the product and gathering women together gave her an entree, gave her an opportunity to bring women together and to educate them and to create some, you know, a coalition among the women. You know, really to the point where in some ways, the hair care product became a means to an end. I mean, it was that product was important. I don't mean to diminish that, but it was an opening that allowed her to gather women together and help, help them be able to collaborate and see their common cause and take it to another level. I can see the connecting and the healing, a lot of healing with women and also just problem solving. I can just see that network really needed where they can go and actually say, hey, we're a community, we're stronger in numbers, and we can have financial independence. And it's, it's empowering. Yeah. And you, you know, you can imagine there were, there were people who were unhappy with that. We've, we've come a long way, yes. uh, you know, in a century, um, you know, 111 years since the time when Madam Walker founded her company. And at the same time, it just seems that we face this pendulum swinging back and forth for every bit of progress, there is a backlash. It seems to be baked into, I don't know, our culture, our society. I guess most cultures tend to be, you know, sort of more male dominant. But we as women are, you know, we're just way too smart now to allow that to happen. But that certainly was going on then. And and those same kind of challenges where we just have to be strong and push forward and band together. It truly makes a difference. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. What was your favorite chapter or part to write and why? The things that were most interesting to me, really learning about Delta, Louisiana, where she had grown up. I just thought of it as a, you know, someplace on the Mississippi River with a plantation, but to learn that it had been a very significant property during the Civil War. Um, Ulysses S. Grant uh, and Sherman staged the siege of Vicksburg from that property. That was mm-hmm. fascinating to me, that it had been a predominantly black um, parish in Louisiana that had elected a black state senator. So that reconstruction history was fascinating. I would say the, you know, the other thing was just to understand how much Madam Walker was a player among African-American political figures from Ida B. Wells Barnett and Booker T. Washington to W.E.B. Du Bois and James Weldon Johnson during the early 20th century. So how much, you know, how much African-Americans were always involved in politics and um, the social fabric and the economic fabric of America? I can see it. It's so cinematic. Let's talk a little bit about 
this TV series. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a TV series, correct? Right. It will be based on the book, uh, which I love that it's a series because you can really get more intimate with the character. Tell me a little bit, or as much as you can tell me, mm-hmm. about this TV series. And, you know, it's probably really difficult to watch this be adapted, right? Do you have any hand in it? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, you know, I'm a consultant, but I, you know, <laughs> I, I have watched this for so many years. The book was finished in, it came out in 2001. So that's a long time. And I, you know, I've watched the, you know, it's been optioned. And then the option came back to me and back and forth. I certainly watch all the other people who go through, you know, years of their, their books are optioned and they, you know, it takes a while for these things to finally come to fruition. But I'm really, I think we're at a really um, wonderful time now when it's clear that these stories are, these stories are important and these stories need to be told. So I don't know if I, I don't know if I should say the timestamp, but just having watched the Emmys last night to see Handmaid's Tale win says something about where we are with women's stories and certainly with women directors. So I'm very excited that this time seems to be the right time for um, On Her Own Ground to be adapted into a series. And it has people you can imagine in all of these many years, people have come to me with a variety of proposals from uh, a mini series way, way back to a feature film before um, the streaming sites that that with those eight to 10 part series would have, you know, HBO, Showtime. But now we have so many options to tell the story. And I'm I'm really thrilled that what um, Mark and Christine Holder at Zero Gravity Management envisioned when they optioned my book is an eight to 10 part series on um, one of the streaming networks or on cable so that the story, it's not just the story of Madam Walker, it's the story, the life and times of what was going on with America and with African-Americans. Sure. Yeah, I can't wait to watch it, whether it's on Hulu or Netflix or Amazon or HBO. I'm definitely going to tune in. I can't wait to see this. I think this is a story that needs to be told on screen. And so tell us a little bit, too, about the optioning process for those. Part of this podcast is also learning, a learning tool for other filmmakers and media makers. And you said, yeah, it's been in development in the pipeline for a long time, but now the time is right. So talk a little bit about this, the process of optioning and saying, yes, let's do it. In such an interesting time, you know, when you can see Issa Rae and uh, Awkward Black Girl, I mean, I remember watching that on YouTube and People just take things into their own hands. Everything is open if you have the energy to do it. And when I started uh, this process with On Her Own Ground, when the even actually before the book was published in 2001, there was some interest um, from, a, from a studio in Hollywood and the book was optioned. And the thing that I guess I had learned from watching other people's experience is to make sure that you have an end date on the option so that there's an option and then it can be renewed at a certain point and then it can maybe be renewed again. But if it's not going to, if it's clear that this deal is not going to come through, 
then the option needs to be returned to you. So I would say, you know, I I learned very early on that you need to have a lawyer, a really good lawyer who understands intellectual property. And even then everything is, you know, you can still have some challenges, but that was my my big early on lesson. Um, The option came back to me and then, you know, another year or two or three went by and it was optioned again by someone else. And um, you know, some there are all kinds of strange circumstances. The right, the writer on the project died. It's not somebody I really knew, but it was like, wow. So that put things into you know on storage again. Wow. And then there was this long period of time, you know, where friends would say, why, why haven't you made the movie? And then someone would approach me. But it was that period of time in Hollywood where there, the conventional wisdom was. You know, black movies don't sell. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're not going to sell overseas. We don't really have any interest. And so now things have changed a lot because we see that uh, characters and storylines that are diverse and that focus on women and that focus on a very wide range of people are of interest. These are stories that have been waiting to be told, and now there are really talented people who, it's not that there weren't really talented people before, it's that really talented people are getting to be in the writer's room and are directing and are beginning to be able to tell their stories because there's an audience. Such a relief now to hear that 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 is changing. Um, And can you tell me a little bit too about the optioning, like who's optioning it? Sure. So um, Zero Gravity Management is a company that was created by Mark and Christine Holder. And some of the things that you would recognize, Beast of No Nation with Idris Elba and um, The Accountant. So those are two movies where, you know, you don't necessarily see Zero Gravity Management's name, but they put those deals together. It's a learning process, right? Because you wrote the book and you had all these offers and then you realize like some just kind of fell, fell apart, right. right? And so you waited. And so I think that's a really important message for the listeners, anyone out there who's trying to get, it's hard enough to make a movie, it's hard enough to get off the ground, it's hard enough to get it funded and then you know get it casted. So there's so many components to it. So I think I love the message of just being patient and holding out for the right deal and the right time that works for you and your story. Oh, you have to, I mean, I. I- I'm just laughing because I think other friends and friends of mine are like, you know, really, Alelia? <laughs> <laughs> or, or they would say, or they'd say, you know, this should really be a movie. And then they have, you know, then they name two or three people who they think should be um, the stars. And, you know, they have all of these ideas, but it's just the, you, it really does have to be right. And you know, when it's not, I mean, I've seen a couple of scripts that were so horrible you write a book that is, you, you know, for me, I was trying to go have the happy medium between something that people who are interested in history and biography would read. I mean, I, it's, I'm not writing it, you know, it's not Fifty Shades of Gray. I mean, that's not the <laughs> book that, I, that I'm writing. But I was trying to write a book that would be respectable, that would be good storytelling, that would interest people who were interested in somebody like Madame Walker, but also that my friends who are scholars and whose work I relied on would respect the book. So, you know, it's a, you know, it's a little bit of a navigation on how you tell the story, but there's a lot of history in the book. And then, you know, I have end notes and that's like, everybody doesn't really want to look at end notes, 
but you do what I've tried to do is lay out the um, framework for someone who is a really talented screenwriter who has skills that I don't have as a screenwriter who can take that material and then make it come alive on the screen. So I really have a great deal of respect for people uh, who who are able to make that happen. But the you know the process, you just realize that you have to um, trust it, and you have to not go with you know you know I'm just I'm, I was going to tell you this sort of this horrible script. So somebody's you know they talked to me and they wanted to do a treatment and they. And, you know, this is like at this point, there's no money passing hands. It's just because they nobody has any money and they mm-hmm. just can you just let us try? And I'm like, OK, so three months, let's see what we do. I, you know, if we're not, we'll walk away. So the script that the person sent me just it had so many historical cliches and so many things that just it was as if they really didn't understand the core of who Madam Walker was was almost like a, a a rap video with you know it had a nude scene in a in a swimming pool. <laughs> it was just like what? <laughs> like no, that's not how she rolled <laughs> in 1898. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm so glad that you held out, and I think when this is done, this is going to be. I mean, it's going to be a TV series. Anyone can watch it. That's the beauty of it. And so tell me a little bit more about, do you, do you know when it'll be released or is it just in a year? You know, we are in the early stages. I'm really excited that Casey Lemons um, is, the, is the director. You know, Amazing. And I she's, yeah, she's somebody, you know, there are, there are so many, there's like the next generation of, directors who are coming along, Ava DuVernay and others who are just really knocking it out of the park. And Casey is one of the women who was there in the early days. And I know she's got the chops to and the talent to do this. So that's a really exciting thing for me. Um, and the, you know, the writer is beginning to work on the script it actually has, you know, some outlines and some treatments done for the for the script so and it's it's very creative very interesting things that i would never have thought of um and i like that i like that there's enough of there's enough information that somebody else can take it and really you know take it to another level so we're really still in that stage um you know it's with warner brothers and the deal is is still being done and we'll see what happens these things always take longer than than one expects. Well, I'm just getting chills just hearing about the details. So I'm patient. I will wait it, h- however long it takes. Um, do you want to? Do you want to add anything else about the production? I'm really excited that Octavia Spencer has signed on. You know, really seeing her playing Madam Walker, and which I think is perfect. Yes, there are lots of really fabulous uh, actors who could do this role, but I cannot think of anyone who I would want more than Octavia Spencer. She really was interested also in being a producer. And wow. that, um, yeah, I mean, it's a, which is great. And so that then led to conversations 
with LeBron James because she and LeBron James are both represented by William Morris. And he came on board. So, you know, it just has all of the pieces. Um, and now it, it just needs a, a script and it needs casting. And, you know, we're moving right along. Sounds like now you've got this really well-oiled machine and it's just going to be an amazing series. One more question. I could talk to you all day, but I know <laughs> that your time is precious and I don't want to waste that. But flash forward to today where the hair care line is still thriving. Talk about that. Well, that's, you know, just for me, that is, um, you know, one of the most gratifying things about this journey. That when I, when I was growing up, when my mother was vice president of the Madam C.J. Walker Company in the 1950s and 1960s, the company still existed. It was not a major player at the time. Sure. And then, you know, through the, you know, they, this, we talk about disruption. There was the, the, the industry, that industry had been disrupted and had to really, they had to really get back on their feet. And then, you know, for the next few decades, it was not a major player. And then fortunately, uh, Sundial Brands, the makers of Shea Moisture and Nubian Heritage purchased the uh, Madam Walker brand, totally reformulated the products and not the original, the original formula. It's in, the current products are inspired by the original formula. But the good news is that the company never actually went out of business. It was, it has been in business since 1906, but now it is a prestige line for Sundial brands exclusive at Sephora with fabulous products, which I use all the time. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm just so glad that the legacy is still living, you know, new generations are learning about Madam CJ Walker. It's just, it's, I'm, I'm super inspired by the whole story. I can't wait to see this TV series. I'm just so glad that you are writing these stories and sharing them with the world. It, I just want to thank you for that because I, once we got off this phone call, I, it just reinvigorates me as a person, as an artist, as, you know, a creator, as a mother, as, you know, a daughter. It just makes me feel like, okay, you know what? It's all possible. <laughs> well, you, know, and I, you know, I admire you and the vision that you had to make sure that women's films are going to be shown because it really is about women's stories empowering each other. And when we know our stories, we can be inspired by others. And, you know, you would think that, by now, don't we all know this? Don't we all know how wonderful women are and how great their stories are and why all these stories need to be, you know, on the screen? But we're going to have a it's a it's this fight will never be over. I guess maybe that's my lesson in my 65 years is that we have to keep fighting, but we bring the most amazing dimensions to the American story. And we're going to listen to our stories. We're going to tell our stories. And that's just the way it is. I agree. I felt very much the same when I went to film school. And I would sit in these classrooms and I would wonder, I mean, we'd study the top 10 male directors. They're all great. I love them. Right. But, you know, as a budding filmmaker, as a woman, as a storyteller, you know, where are these women? I know that they existed. So, you know, again, I think sometimes you have to create the platform to tell these stories. And hopefully 
<laughs> it will catch on. But I think you're, I think you're really, we do need to keep talking about this and, and continuing the dialogue because, you know, if we don't keep it in the limelight, if we don't keep talking about it, again, our voices will become a side note and we really need to bring them to the forefront. I think that is so incredibly important. Absolutely. Well, once again, thank you so much for being on the show. It was a pleasure talking with you. So if the listeners want to find out more about you, where, sh- where can we find you? So there are three places, aleliabundles.com, A-L-E-L-I-A bundles.com, madamcjwalker.com, madam, M-A-D-A-M with no E, madamcjwalker.com, and mcjwbeautyculture.com. That is the company line. You can see all the amazing products. You have just listened to the Women's Film Institute podcast with your host, Scarlett Shepard. Check us out and subscribe to our podcast at womensfilminstitute.com.